It's episode 153 of the Improv London podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Moses, and this week's guest is Imogen Palmer. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Stuart. Uh, as well as you can be in the midst of the roller coaster that is our current time. Yes. How uh, how have you been coping with uh, the way things are today? I I it's been a roller coaster for me, like it has been for everyone. I think uh, with lots of changes to our lives uh, and uh, and all the sort of underlying foundation of anxiety that comes with a big uh, global event. Um, but I do feel very lucky to be in a safe place uh, uh, with my partner and able to work a little bit online and connect with others. I've been very grateful for that. Uh, and and uh, a huge part of that actually has been uh, connecting with and seeing what other improvisers across the world and in the UK have been doing. It's really, for me, proven how uh adaptable people in this art form can be and i'm like oh that's cool even if uh i do and i think we all do have days where i'm like why and i'm screaming into the sink being like why 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 i don't want to pretend i've been (laughs) sunflowers and daisies there's been sink screaming days (laughs) yeah i i I just 100% agree uh i've had good days and i've had bad days Mm -hmm. and i'm trying to focus on the positives Mm -hmm. Um, and as you say, the ability to connect with people from around the world, to get to play with them in a way that you wouldn't normally to is, is brilliant. And that's not to say that, yeah, I don't have, you know, bad days too, <laughs> so, uh, um, so, um, tell me about the Delight Collective. Mm. Tell me about the Delight Collective before the current situation and then tell me about Mm. it now. Uh, So the Delight Collective is uh, a theatre company uh, that I I direct uh, and created. Um, It was born about three years ago after my return. I I spent a couple of years in Australia and got really inspired by the work of Impro Melbourne out there. They really informed a lot of my improv a lot of Keith Johnstone style improv. So they're directed by, they were directed at the time by Patty Styles and, and Catherine Weaver, who were really inspiring teachers for me. And uh, uh, I won't go too much into the history of the Delight Collective, but uh, it was it was born almost by accident with a, a two-prof between myself and Caitlin Campbell, who is uh, the artistic director of the Bristol Improv Theatre, when I submitted it as a title for a Zeal Improv Pride a festival show that Stephen from the nursery set up. I, I submitted us as a two prof, and I was like, Caitlin, I've submitted this group called the Delight Collective to to Zeal. Uh, do, do you do you want to do a two prof with me? <laughs> like it was it was something like in like two weeks time, and she was like, Yeah, sure. <laughs> so we went and did that, and it was at the Leicester Square Theatre, and that was wow. my first first gig as, as the Delight Collective. And uh, and I sort of had a, a rocky transition back into the UK, sort of finding work and getting settled. But uh, what emerged was that Caitlin prompted me actually to think about the Delight Collective as my theatre company. And any time I create a project uh, that I'm directing or involved in, it's produced by the Delight Collective. 
uh, which gave me a really firm identity as an artist. Uh, and so before uh, lockdown, the Delight Collective uh, was producing a few different projects, uh, which is the Bish Bosh Bash, which is a monthly uh, theatre sports inspired Kyanji comedy show at the Bristol Improv Theatre. Uh, we produced uh, Imogene, the improvised pop concert, which is the solo uh, feminist clown show that I recently performed at Vault Festival. Uh, we did other projects include Friends Like These, which was uh, improvised stories of friendship uh, based on um, interactions with the audience, very authentic, grounded play. And uh, recently, an International Women's Day special uh, called If These Walls Could Talk, which is a format devised uh, by Amy Moo from Impro Melbourne. Uh, but we adapted it to be about the lives of women over the last 100 years. Fantastic. Mm. Um, let's talk about each of those mm. in detail. Yes. <laughs> Tell me about the Bish Bash Bosh. The Bish uh, Bash Bosh uh, was the first big ensemble show I directed through the Delight Collective. So that show, it was at a time when the Bristol Improv Theatre was finding their feet and I saw this gap for uh, just a classic improv show and I, I hope you know what I'm by cla classic this is improv <laughs> I was like I think we're missing that uh because we've done some great some great narrative improv that came comes out of Bristol we have a local soap opera group we had the degrees of error doing a murder mystery uh we had a Dungeons and Dragons group but there wasn't like a horns and bells uh show yeah, yeah, yeah. so I I sort of said this and, and the next week Caitlin was like do you want to direct it and I was like oh sure and so, yeah, a lot of a lot of it was inspired by um, Impro Melbourne, Theatre Sports. Uh, but I also wanted to that feel of whose lines are anyway. And for me, I grew up on shooting stars uh, with Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer. And I wanted to bring that in with that kind of wacky British Saturday night game show feel. So hmm. it involves two teams of actors going head to head, improvising games and songs and silliness. Uh, and... Um, but with a host uh, that I, I played, I performed as the host for the first maybe 10 shows and then I've trained some other hosts and sort of dip in and out. But the host character, when I when I perform as the host, is a very wacky bow tie. Uh, I'm queering it up to the max because that makes me very happy. <laughs> uh, uh, they have a, a whistle and they can, they're like the referee of the whole thing and they, they can take points away and the audience throw balls at them and it's all very... Big thing we wanted to emphasize with, emphasize with that show is interaction with the audience and the audience feeling like they really owned it, which is at the essence of theatre sports. Uh, and I really wanted to bring that to life with a show in the UK. Yeah, mm -hmm. that sounds mm. fantastic. Uh, what's your favourite uh, game that gets played at the Bish Bosh Bash? That is a great question. Uh... Which I have to say, when people okay. say that's a great question, it's like, oh. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. No, I got. I've got <laughs> I mean, it. it is, you are right. It is a great it's, question. That's though. something I actually got taught. I think uh, when learning how to give and do interviews, that's a great question. It's something you can use if you need to buy a little bit of time. <laughs> I've seen you. I've seen you. <laughs> seen your yeah. interview technique. <laughs> Um, sorry, I shouldn't laugh too close to the microphone. I've been told I, I... I have a very powerful laugh. That. I have also been told the mm -hmm. same. And in the early days of this podcast, before I worked out how to do compression, I used to have to go through every episode and then manually reduce the the volume of my laugh. So 
Please the pain, free. the pain. Um, my favourite game uh, is so I always love it. The games that we uh, seem to create ourselves, and of course, every, for me, every art form is stolen from everything. Like we all steal. I try to credit who I can when I can, but the truth is, we're all a big mishmash mash of whatever's come before. But one game that I think we devised and that I'm really proud of is called uh, GCSE Drama. Oh. <laughs> Do you know what? I already love yeah. it. <laughs> it is. That is an excellent name for it. Yeah, game. we did it as a short form game uh, where you take um, you take a title from the audience, like Enduring Love or The Light Before the Storm or The <laughs> the, the Abyss of My Soul. And then our actors uh, do they do group unison dance uh, <laughs> and poetry. And I I'm really a physical. A performer and I'm really I've I also do improv poetry stuff and I was really in I'm really interested in how we can use physicality in improv and so my my group we've done a lot of games where they're all mirroring each other and then maybe one might break oh, away like or they might start to create a machine together and the joy of GCSE drama is just <laughs> hamming up the pretentiousness and gorgeous raw sincerity of teenage GCSE drama performances that <laughs> I, I adore it. We we evolved it into a longer show as well for a scratch night in Bristol. Uh, and I, I aspire, one day I'd love to see it as a 50 minute if we can make it work. But uh, it's just, I can't, I can't relate how hilarious it is. It's so, it's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. I love mm. anything. I love uh, mirroring, I love group work. Mm. Uh, and I love pretentious poetry, so uh, I'm on board for this I'm game. so glad, Stuart. You'll have, you'll have to come and play sometime. Or play it with one of your own groups. <laughs> yeah, that sounds mm. great. Um, uh, and tell me about Emotionate. Mm. Sorry. Is that right? Yeah. Did I say that right? You did say that right, yeah. I do, I do okay. get a lot of people being like, Imogen, Imogen, and I, Imogen, that's just my name. But Imogene. <laughs> is she's my queen she's um i always had this hankering to do a solo show uh since i was like oh god like 12 or something i was like (laughs) i want to be a comedian and i want to do this thing and i kind of uh tried stand up tried all the other uh more conventional things Hang on a second. Let's dig into that. Oh, Let's really? dig into that. Let's not gloss over that. What was your stand-up oh, like? Oh, no, Stuart, don't! <laughs> My stand-up was so student and amateur. And I'm really proud. I'm really proud I did it because it's really scary. And I have so much admiration for stand-ups uh, and storytellers and anyone who's holding a space on their own. Uh, but I wrote very average, um, like... I was trying to do feminist stuff and I was trying to do political stuff. Essentially, I was doing that thing you do when you start out where you're like, you copy other people, but you're, it's not really you. But I do remember I was very lucky to host a student comedy night for about two years. And during that time, uh, I discovered my one of my strengths is is hosting and reacting and warming up a room. And what I learned to love about hosting was... Uh, you don't need to make them laugh all the time. You just need to react. And you're there to make everyone else look good. Uh, and I introduced interactive comedy games through that. So I really, I already I was starting to lean towards interaction, play, that sort of thing. Um, and getting the audience involved. That's that's what I really mm. love. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me that 
now I'm like, I've left all that cerebral stuff behind, really, all that joke writing, and leaned more into clown, into physicality, into interaction. Um, yes. <laughs> so, okay, so, uh, so yeah, uh, we're on the journey to Imogen. Yeah, I... I can't say it properly. Emotional. Can I tell you one uh, audience game I played when I was that when I was this is yes, when I was please. nineteen, just because it popped into my head and I think you might like it. <laughs> it was called Britney or Not Knee, and I had a little ukulele because when you're a a feminist female quirky quirky comedian, you need a ukulele. Uh, and this is not me belittling any uh, comedians who use you look at ukulele is amazing. I just couldn't play it, and I was trying to be something I'm not. Uh, but it had a jingle that was like. Da, 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 da. Let's play a game called Britney or not knee. And then they had they had got given pictures of different knees with the person <laughs> covered up, and they had to guess whether it was Britney Spears' knees or not her knees. But <laughs> I'd really messed them over because I do like hand-drawn hairy knees, and that would be Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd have like Lady Gaga's knees, and that was, and you know, I, yeah, I really, it was delightful. <laughs> you are right. Uh, I do love that. Uh, you have a, you, you not only have a gift for creating uh, great games, you also have a great gift for creating great names for these games. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yes. <laughs> Imo- Imogene. Yeah, Imogene. that's where we're up. So, Imogene, she is my queer, feminist, uh, semi-improvised solo clown show. So she's my alter ego, uh, a pop princess, diva. And uh, at the stage she's at, I've been working on that show for about three years uh, in little incremental stages. It's slowly grown. And, uh, yeah, what do I say? Imogene was yeah born out of this desire to want to do a solo show, uh, wanting wanting to play with clown and also some devised elements. So I'm quite interested in the place where improv meets scripted and devised and theatre uh, because I love improv, I love interaction, but I also believe there's a huge strength for us as an art form if we can start to see what happens when we explore those points where it meets and also secretly i'm thinking it'll be more eligible for funding (laughs) which is awful and obviously everything's changed at the moment but that wasn't my first thought but now i'm like oh i can just sell this as a semi-improvised interactive devised clown feminist queer show hello people that's lots of buzzwords (laughs) that might make you want to give me money maybe um and yeah, I'm really, I'm really proud of it where it's at. It's definitely uh, still growing, but I worked with a really amazing uh, improviser and clown called Deanna Flesher, who does her naked comedy workshops across the world and is a character called Buck Kapinski most of the time. And she, I did a few weekends with her in her naked comedy weekends, and then I asked her to work with me on the show uh, last... Mm, last june july and she transformed it from uh, this little baby like me figuring it out into this she just gave me loads to work on and i took it most recently to vault festival in february and had a really lovely response um had some nice reviews learned 
the the exhaustion that comes with self-producing, which I don't know. Uh, if I do self-produce again, I will make sure I'm not doing it at the same time as working two jobs <laughs> and also directing another show, which I was doing at the time. Um, but I learned so much from that. And I'm, yeah, I'm proud of the show with where it's at. And yeah. <laughs> cool. So if, if someone were to come to an Emojene uh, show, uh, what, what could they expect? They would expect an immersive pop concert experience with, uh, so I work with a great musician, Jack Orcoso Morrison, who is improvising as uh, the musician. So you come in, there's dry ice everywhere, there's disco lights going. You get welcomed by myself in character as myself, but like an event manager version of myself. And then I transform into a Marjanae, who is an over-the-top diva with an affected French accent who monologues to you about her life and interacts heavily with the audience to improvise songs. Uh, so it's an interactive, immersive experience. She's outrageous and it's very queer, very feminist, very in your face, because something that I'm proud of in the show is being a loud, proud, out, uh, female-looking character. Like, I'm really influenced by drag and drag queens and loads of fellow artists and improvisers are uh, female ones that are being are going down drag king routes which I think is amazing and I'd love to explore at some point but I'm really interested in drag queens <laughs> and being a female drag queen uh, really interests me uh, because gender is a performance gender is a performance and Imogene is like me heightened femme to the next level that sounds amazing mm. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, tell me about friends like these, which mm. I have seen. And oh, I love. did you? When did you see friends like these? So, the International Women's Day before last, yes. when I came down to Bristol. Oh my god. Delicious show. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, I remember because that was the first time you were trying to interview me, wasn't it? And I got, yes. and I turned you down because my best friend was in town. And and, and I said something like, <laughs> I always, as I always say, friends before podcasts, yeah. despite <laughs> the fact that I've never said that before or yeah. afterwards. But I, I still believe but it to it's, be true. So. And it's really close to my heart as well. I, I'm a big believer in friendship and I love platonic love. And part of the motivation behind friends like these was celebrating platonic love in all its forms. Um, it was inspired by uh, Jules and Heather's show from uh, the nursery in the May Days. They did 10,000 million love stories. And I saw that yeah. when I was 19 or 20 and was like, oh, cool, improv can be this. That was a really mm. inspiring show for me. And so originally did a version of Friends Like These back then. So that was like eight years ago or so. Uh, and then, yeah, revisited it. Uh, in the past couple of years with the Delight Collective uh, with a female cast um, because I just, it's, I yeah, I am a very fierce feminist uh, and but also when I came back from Australia, the Bristol improv scene had become very male-dominated. So I've found myself championing women in the past three years of making work. And personally, I love, I just... I, because the show's about friendship, I love my female friends. I have amazing male friends as well, but I loved put, I love putting women on stage and creating a space 
Anyway, oh my God, that's not about the show at all. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's all brilliant. It's it all brilliant. Well, it's all yeah. you, so it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, 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 essentially we get the audience to talk about true stories of friendship. We give them prompts. Which, which I love. Mm. I think that's an absolutely beautiful mm. thing. And I, it takes a little bit longer than going, please, may I have a word? Um, but, oh, it just when I've experienced that, um, it changes the atmosphere in the room and it brings people together. But before you've even performed... It's like, oh, this room is now um, transformed. It's beautiful. Yeah, I I love that. And I, you know what? I was literally just watching a thing about dramaturgy by an experienced director and dramaturge. And she was like, one of the first things she asks when she approaches a new show is, what impact do you want to have on the audience? And I realised... I fortunately, I think I've been unconsciously thinking about this, subconsciously, what's the right one? Not unconsciously, because that'd be passed out. Subconsciously, <laughs> I think I've been thinking that for a few years, but now she's articulated it. I'm like, oh, that's the thing. It's Friends Like These, a show where I want the audience to feel like they've been hugged and like they're all oh. friends by the end of it. So that yeah, yeah. whole getting them to talk us all talking as ourselves we have this little bit that feels a bit like a feels a bit like a podcast we're all chatting about our own stories and then we do some scenes that are all authentic heartwarming sometimes hard like challenging um but the tone of that show and whenever i approach an improv show i'm i'm like how do i want the audience to feel at the end of this because uh, for me that creates more cohesion for the cast um than just being like improv about friendship. <laughs> I'm waving my I'm waving my arms wildly at Stuart. I don't know if that comes across. Yes, I know. I mean, I, I was gonna, I was tempted to comment on that because I'm I'm enjoying your performance very much uh, as the only person that can actually see your performance. <laughs> yes, arms are being waved. So let's say that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so um, yeah, so you're 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 um, you're taking um, so you get everyone. You ask them, do you always ask the same questions or some questions you to inspire them that yeah, you Yeah, the same questions uh, so far when we've done the show, which are um, a, dis- a time that you've been on an adventure with a friend, a time a friend came through for you, or a time when you had uh, a difficult conversation with a friend or a difficult time. So it can be quite vulnerable. I've had uh, s- something I'm... Okay, something... Yeah, I'm not going to apologise. I was about to say another strength of mine, and I'm like, oh, Imogen, you're going to start sound like a dick. Everyone is just going to think you're a dick. But I keep encouraging women to own their strengths, and I'm exactly. I'm quite open about my weaknesses as well. Like, don't ever <laughs> watch any old videos of me doing stand up. <laughs> they don't exist. <laughs> they don't exist. Ban them. <laughs> um, but a strength I've something I've worked on a lot, which has become a strength, is how to interact with the audience in a way that makes them feel safe and empowered, and actually tease out quite vulnerable, authentic stuff. Because sometimes in historic imp- improv comedy clubs, uh, you're you're like ah, tell you get an occupation, and it's quite uh, actually quite superficial. And I think even though it's an interactive form, there's a wall up. And something I've worked on with Emogene and my hosting and interaction is to see how uh, you can create a space where an audience member feels free to tell you something really vulnerable. And I've had some amazing experiences through friends like these and Emogene where I've learned really people have been comfortable to share something that's really like moving or close to their heart. And then 
Oh, I love that. I love it. Because if they give you something true and authentic, it's just this juicy fodder that you can then empower and, and hope not em- embolden in, in what work am I looking for? Like embody and channel through whatever, uh, whatever thing you're doing. And you've also just the moment people start being vulnerable and authentic in a space, uh, the closer and more intimate they feel, which I think is part of the reason mm. uh, friends like these hopefully makes people feel like they've been hugged and emotionate you sort of feel like her best friend at the end of it like sort of you're like i feel like yeah. i really know this person and i've connected with them <laughs> so that's what i'm trying to achieve anyway that's amazing mm. um i i love um anything that celebrates the audience um anything that gives the audience a chance to tell a story or to share something about themselves and have what they share accepted because I know that feeling as a performer, I'll often, um, I very rarely invent anything. I shouldn't say this. I should pretend that I make it up, but very rarely do I invent anything. If you've heard me say it on stage, it's probably true. And just that having the audience hear that and accept it is just a really transcendent experience. Mm. So if, if you can do that for an audience member, uh, whether what you're doing with friends like these or, um, you know, with musical improv where you hear someone's story and then you sing it back to them and things like that. I love all that. Mm. I think that's all brilliant. I'm, I'm... <laughs> yes, let's, let's, do this. Let's, do, let's do the hand yeah, signal for applause. I was just... That works really well on an audio medium. I, was just... <laughs> I could see it. I'm glad. I was just jazz. I was just applauding Stuart with the sign language for applause, such as the new... <laughs> Such as the new era. <laughs> um, I was watching uh, the Mash report on the same laptop I do all my improv, and then after a particularly funny scene, I did the hand baby <laughs> thing to clap them. I'm like, they don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're in them, but they might need it, but they're not getting any benefit from me doing it because this is the one way you. Unless you recorded it and like sent it to them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, now I feel like, yes, I feel I should do that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, I feel that's... Yeah, no, I'm sure they'd like that. Uh, well done, the Mash Report. Very good. Um, <laughs> so, uh, t- tell me about um, if these walls c- could talk. Mm-hmm. So, that is a show uh, I directed this year for International Women's Day. And it's a format uh, inspired by the amazing Amy Moore of Impro Melbourne, uh, where uh, you take the same location... And you see scenes improvised in, uh, in I can't remember the years she did, but we did 1920, 1980 and 2020. Uh, so it's like Ooh. a travelling through time format, yeah. Uh, which right already is really juicy, right? So I'm, I'm rubbing my hands with glee and <laughs> excitement. That's another thing that doesn't work on the audio format. <laughs> <laughs> We have to, he said, she said, we have to do the describing the uh, the actions, don't <laughs> yes. we? Um, so with Amy's permission, I borrowed that title and that format and I uh, did a big casting call over Bristol for women from all kinds of backgrounds uh, because I wanted to create a really diverse cast uh, of women uh, who were interested in researching the histories of uh, women in their family and in the past. 
uh, and in order to inspire a show that I called a, a storytelling show using improv elements, where we shared the true stories of women they found inspiring to inspire scenes set in 1920, 1918, 2020. Uh, so I had this amazing cast of 11 in the end, uh, some with no in improv experience at all, uh, some who'd come through our classes, uh, and we did a eight-week rehearsal period and to create this show, which was on International Women's Day, headlined by the amazing Derek's Mojo, who I love. Uh, they were so great. And, but it, yeah, it was a wonderful experience directing this show because I was really leaning into some of the authenticity work I've already spoken with you about that we're using friends like these, but also using this idea of research. And so they were all bringing stories and we were making collages of women who inspire us. So it was a very research-based show, uh, which I trusted. The all the work they'd done researching the lives of women, I trusted it would come up with the improv. It wasn't like, now you tell the story of your amazing uh, great-grandmother who fled the Nazis, or whatever it was. And we had this incredibly rich uh, stories come up. Uh, and it was very moving. It was a very moving rehearsal period uh like we felt really bonded as a group it was very it was very powerful just because of the subject matter and then mm. they they rocked it on the night it was it was lovely so they'd they'd sit living room style and prompted by the audience came in and they wrote true stories of women who inspired them on bricks so we had this wall of bricks of inspiration wow. uh then and we also had an art exhibition of all the art in the in the bar of the improv theater so I was re i'm really interested in how you can have how you can make an improv show an event as well. That's something that interests me. So they had the bricks from the audience that would prompt a living room style conversation with the women who'd often bring up stories that they'd researched as part of the thing. Then they'd improvise a scene set in one era and then we'd repeat the living room and second era and then the final one. So they traveled through time. Wow. Yeah. That sounds absolutely mm. amazing. Um, I, um, I mean, I love historical improv. Um, whether it's badly informed historical mm -hmm. improv, um, but I still love that, um, just because I think it takes you to different places that you don't normally see. Um, but I've never really thought about actually doing the research and then having that inspire improv. I think that's that sounds amazing. And don't get me wrong, like we couldn't be one hundred percent historically accurate. And in a, in an eight week in an eight week rehearsal period, but if that's your ambition to do historically accurate improv, I bet there are some enthusiasts who'd be well up for that like study. It's something I, something I'm really passionate about with directing and making improv shows is on res is research what your the material you're doing. Uh, when I was starting out in improv, the lack of research because I think sometimes you get into it. And you're like, oh, I'm quite funny and I'm meeting all these great people and we're doing a show. Oh, it's a, it's mm -hmm. a this genre. Oh, yeah, I know a bit about that genre. Let's do that. Da, da, da. And uh, I used to get, because I am a bit of a geek, I'd be like, if I'm doing a genre show, like when I did uh, my first full type, full narrative was a like a film noir, an hour-long improvised film noir. I'd never come across film noir before. Man, I went out, I watched like 10 film noirs and I like made notes and went mm. on TV jokes and... I don't think you need to do that level of research, but but if yeah, if you want to make a show that feels like the thing, study, do your studying if you can. Again, 
<laughs> I mean, I 100% agree. And it's just about, it shouldn't ever be a chore. Um, if you're going to do a film noir show, it should, well, I like to think it should be because you're passionate about film noir or, you know, interested enough to learn about it. But isn't that a wonderful way to think about the world, to think there are all these amazing things and, you know, all these amazing things to learn about and I can learn about them and then I can translate them into, you know, something on stage. Yeah. yeah. I 100% agree. I think if you're in a film noir show, learn about film noir, mm. you know? Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm going to let the uh, listeners in behind the magic uh, because what I have failed to do is I failed to switch the light on and it's actually growing dark as we record. <laughs> and I've just looked at myself uh, in the, and I'm looking, uh, you know, anyway, I'm just going to go, just going to turn the light yeah. on. So um, let's just be a second. The room is getting eerily darker. But your face was lit up, so it was like being... There we are. Your face was lit up, Stuart, so it was like being around a campfire. Oh, OK. Or, or oh, well, goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, you mentioned um, kind of the bricks and the artwork and making uh, an improv show more of a, an experience. Is that yeah, how you describe it? Yeah, an experience it? or an event. Hmm. Tell me, tell me about that idea. What would you, what have you done, or what would you like to do in the future? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested because I, yeah, I got into improv a bit like I just said. I love drama as a as a young person. Love making people laugh. Found this amazing community. Loved it. And then I think because I, I did, I, I you know, I've grown up and I, I do wanna, I wanna, I wanna be an artist and make art and explore things. Um, which I'm doing in a in a silly voice because I'm feeling self conscious about those using that language. Um, uh, I'm interested in what is okay. So like improv's quite young. We know we can do a solid improv narrative show. Cool. We can sell tickets to that. Uh, we can we can uh, recreate Dale Close's formats. Uh, you know the Harolds and all these. We can learn from those and recreate those. And for me, I'm like, okay, now what? <laughs> I'm like, what next? What next? What next? And yeah. my one little challenge for the UK scene, uh, inspired by all the training I did in Impro Melbourne with uh, and uh, Patty Styles for me is an incredibly inspirational teacher, and mm. everyone should teach with her if they can. Learn with her if they can. Um, I think something a great gift Patty gave me was, you know, what next? What excites you? What? How do you yeah. want to use this stuff you've learned from the Keith Johnstone style or the this style? What do you want to make? And I, I think one of our mental limitations in the UK, and and possibly, you know, I, I I'm always learning uh, about from in, international festivals as well. But one of our limitations is. I don't know if we've quite got the what next yet. We're like right. recreating a lot of the same things. And I did the same yeah. with the Bish Bosh Bash, but now I've got my Bish Bosh Bash. I've got my solid theatre sports style show. Now I'm like, what next? So how can I make this an event? Why should the audience pick this night over Netflix? Hmm. Why? Okay. Uh, because in improv, you get that incredible interaction. Nobody, you've never seen it before. Uh, with, with If These Walls Could Talk, it was like, it was like I wanted it to feel like a mass 
storytelling sharing event. So what I was discovering in rehearsal and in our auditions was a group of women coming together to share stories of inspirational women was moving and inspiring. So I wanted to do that on a larger scale. And to, to attempt to do that, I did yeah, the exhibition and the interaction with the walls and the writing in. And then, um, yeah, it an, an excuse to open up dialogue around a topic. And that particular topic was women. Uh, and yeah, I look forward to see what, what might be next. Mm. Yeah, I, um, I, um, I 100% agree again. Um, and uh, I don't know. I am no Del Close expert, mm. but I am sure that if he was still around, he would be inventing new things. Yeah. You know, he wouldn't. You know, the Harold wasn't. You know, the Harold wasn't improv perfected. So I have a real problem with the Harold. <laughs> uh, I think it's just because I've seen terrible, terrible Harolds. But ultimately, mm. good improv is good and bad improv is bad. And I've seen good Harolds and I've seen bad Harolds. But I'm just. It's like yes, it's fine. Learn it. But yeah, as you say, what next? Yeah you know what's what's the next harold what can we invent you know what can we bring from what we've learned from commedia dell'arte or mm. you know whatever clowning um you know yeah no 100 percent agree there's, we should be there's a plurality of form there's not just one thing you know and yeah sometimes i tip my hat to groups who are like we're gonna do 500 harolds and i'm like fair play to you I tip my hat to you but I I don't want to do that and I'm not critiquing what you're doing I don't think that's a waste of time that's really cool I I am (laughs) I like my attitude I think it's like if that excites you go for it but in all honesty I'm probably not going to buy a ticket Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) unless you, you you show me something exciting and new with that uh yeah yeah and but I don't like that's the thing I don't like there's sometimes I've found this weird thing within improv this weird tribalism of like oh so you do narrative improv oh so you do long form oh so you do short form and I'm like I like to do a little bit of every I do this for this show I do this for this show and for me it's this big broad art form it's not a weird little like clique fest and yeah, I probably have more to talk to someone who's done a lot of Keith Johnstone stuff, just because I've done a lot of Keith Johnstone stuff. We've probably got a lot to talk about. But I've also done um, some IO Chicago stuff that I found really rich and rewarding and could talk to someone who's done long form about that. And and yeah, it's like, why, why do this weird tribalism? I don't... Yeah, <laughs> I mean that. that ha- I mean, one hundred percent agree. Mm. That happens in every subculture. Yeah, right? you know, if, you, if you're in an orchestra, the you know the woodwind people hate the brass mm. band, uh, the brass players because they think they're drunken louts. I don't know how much of any of that is true, but you know, or in in um, sewing, you know, the people that use machines will disagree with the people mm. that don't use machines, and it's like to anyone outside the subculture. You're all doing the same thing. Um, but if you're in it, it's like, oh, no, I like this tiny bit of way or I don't like Harold's. 
Yeah, that is such a good thank you for that metaphor you've given me great flashbacks to school orchestra and (laughs) and you're right yeah (laughs) right okay fair enough I wasn't quite sure no I think you're right I was in the brass Stuart yeah we were we were pretty loud and obnoxious (laughs) 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 so we're were you loud and obnoxious first, and that's why you ended up being in the brass <laughs> section, or did you join the brass section and become loud and obnoxious? Chicken and egg that's situation. Chicken and egg situation, isn't it? I was actually. That's the real. I was actually quite quiet, but I knew I wanted to play the trumpet. I was like, I knew that was my destiny. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, so that's um, that's very much kind of um, brought us up to kind of present time. Mm-hmm. So the delight collective has evolved with the way things are today it has we've adapted like a like a chameleon to our new <laughs> the new situation uh where we're currently so yeah it's uh the we're currently running online classes uh of which you've been to uh Stuart, yes. which has been delightful to see there uh on a monday uh a monday night six thirty to eight and for all the improv geeks who I'm sure are listening to this, you're like, why should I go to a Delight Collective workshop over all the hundreds of online workshops I now get to pick from? Uh, what I hope with uh, with, with our, the workshops I've been running is that I create like a safe and supportive environment. I bring a lot of my Keith Johnstone uh, knowledge from working with Impro Melbourne for a couple of years, training with them about eight nearly nine years of improv experience doing a lot of narrative shows uh, clown commedia dell'arte is a lot of my training and um, what i hope is it's 90 minutes which is quite a nice length and uh it's yeah it's bringing all that experience you get to reflect on what you're learning and have quite a nice time. Oh, that was a terrible sales pitch. I just was rambling, wasn't I? I just... <laughs> no, that, that was all good. That was all good. Oh, God. Uh, okay, let, let, me, uh, let me do a little bit of the sales pitch, okay? Uh, it was good, it was good. Was Should good. have practised it. Um, can't, can't improv everything. <laughs> um, so, yeah... Um, I have really, really enjoyed them, actually. Um, and there's been loads of reasons. One of them, as you say, uh, yeah, it's a safe, supportive, welcoming uh, environment. Mm. That's not to say that other places that I've gone to haven't, but the, there is something you, you create something quite mm. unique, which I really like. You've um, attracted kind of a really nice um, sort of bunch of people. Um, and I, um, I really enjoy um, your sort of Keith Johnstone influenced approach. But I also think that, you know, I've read Keith Johnson's mm. books. Um, I like the way in which you take his ideas and it's you've, um, you've filtered them. You've got your own perspective. You've kind of used what you've learned elsewhere. So I can read Keith Johnson's books and I can get his ideas direct from him. But you offer something different and I really enjoy mm. that. So. Thank you, Stuart. I should have asked you to do that straight away rather than <laughs> can I can I uh, pay you some money now? Can you say that to other people? <laughs> no. I, I, I am more than happy to say that to anyone who asks me. Uh, oh my no, god, marketing yourself is such a nightmare. I'm not gonna lie. So we're we're in a 
in a situation like a lot of my peers and colleagues were all uh, it's all changed a bit so I normally I'm the theatre school manager of the Bristol Improv Theatre and so I'm I'm teaching and uh, teaching through that and selling classes through that but we've all been furloughed from the Bristol Improv Theatre which uh, is for very important reasons so we can try and save uh, the theatre and we're in the process of applying for funding and who knows what will happen um and so but as part part of that means the bit can't actually run their own classes which has been quite sad but we are running online shows uh so if you do want to uh see see some more shows out there and also try to help um help save and preserve uh the UK's first full-time improv theatre this is a very contentious thing <laughs> the UK's first <laughs> full-time like it's a full-time business space or improv theater uh our shows are fridays and saturdays at 8 p.m and there's some really that's the delight collective has been producing a few shows for that like the bish bosh bash we've adapted for online um i just did a really fun show with caitlin at the weekend called radio cupid which was like an agony aunt um interactive show where we were solving all the love and dating problems of the audience so uh, i should have come along oh my that. gosh do it you would have loved it if we do it again <laughs> <laughs> so so explain to me that the, the format of that show How so that radio cupid is we again adapted from a live show we did for valentine's day um which was where caitlin and i are radio djs and agony ants <laughs> and the audience give us love problems we solve them in the live show, we had a team of actors who played out some different love style, love inspired short form games. And then we did a second half dating show where they were all competing uh, for an audience member, uh, which was hilarious. It was like blind date style. Uh, and for the to adapt it for online, it's the two of us solving, yeah, solving love problems and then playing different games. Like uh, we review a, a proposal. We find a really fun YouTube um proposal and we like review and rate that um oh, wow. we improvise uh some new love poetry for somebody's boo that they interact with us on the chat um <laughs> that was another segment that's flown out of my head now to be honest a lot of it actually in this because we're keeping our shows an hour because we're finding that kind of works for attention on online things i think um was on uh, interacting with the audience and solving their love problems and that back and forth. So it's really interesting because that's a show we've created that probably would not work uh, live, but we've created it for Zoom and through that format. And I think it's been one of our most successful formats. And I think that's what improvisers are learning. It's what, how can we use this technology uh, and our skills to create something people want to come to and interact with rather than how do I do my normal improv <laughs> on this? Do you know what I mean? I think there's a, there's a, there's a learning, a learning curve there. Mm. Yeah. I found that fantastically exciting actually. Mm. And I, I think I've probably said it lots um, to everybody that I've spoken to and indeed on this podcast, but I was really suspicious of online improv to start with and I was wrong. Mm. Uh, it's been brilliant and it is just, it's thinking about, yeah, we're not trying to recreate what we did before in a slightly worse manner. What can we do with these screens? Mm. You know, um, how can we be TV and film stars rather than being theatre actors and things like that? And yeah, just using the medium. Um, I'm finding that hugely exciting. 
In fact, um, in one of my, uh, one of your, sorry, one of my, <laughs> weird, uh, one of my scenes in uh, your uh, Delight Collective, uh, dropping mm-hmm. that I particularly liked when we were looking at status, mm-hmm. um, and my character, there were three of us in the scene, and my character was really low status, so went down in the bottom mm-hmm. left, uh, bottom right hand corner of the screen, doesn't matter which corner, um, and then wouldn't even talk and just uh, communicated using the chat function with the other people yes! in the scene. Uh, I was like, this is amazing. You can't oh do this face to face. That was so funny. That was so, yeah, that was like a, a scene you could only see on, and it was so funny to see this sort of muted, hi everyone. That was so <laughs> lovely. The other scene I, I found really great, I'm not, this is not just me remembering all of Stuart's great scenes in the workshops, but. I mean, I'm on board for this. <laughs> <But laughs> I'm buckling <laughs> in for and it, An example of another way the form worked. And we did little voice, small voice, the where one character is, so you were like a controller, you were like operating um, some controls, weren't you? And was someone else the voice? Oh. Or was it? Yeah. yeah so it was like a te- telephone yes. operator kind of thing. And yeah, someone yeah. else was being the voice of one of the buttons and interacting with mm. you. And they were like, push me, go on. And we just got to see you slowly like react and get close to the screen. <laughs> and oh my God, it was just so lovely to watch those little subtle um, mm. shifts and changes, which, yeah, you'd miss maybe in a live improv show. Yeah, and, and that, that idea of, yeah, you can get really close up to the mm. screen and, yeah, you can make these subtle... And you can direct the audience's focus mm. and you can just move your eyes and it you know you don't need to do big anymore you can do really small things and people really take it in mm-hmm. yeah funny hugely uh hugely uh exciting mm-hmm. um so yes i recommend uh monday uh nights mm-hmm. of dollar collective uh they are very good um you've also got some other um workshops coming up yes i've tell me about those so i've got i'm uh, reintroducing the women and non-binary identities workshop drop-in, improv drop-in to uh, via the Delight Collective. That's always the last Thursday of the month. So we've got one coming up on the 28th of May. So uh, that's 7pm to 8.30 if you can make that and you identify as a woman or or, or in the sort of non-binary spectrum. Uh, and I'm also so delighted to be guest teaching for the nursery, which I did not know I would ever get to do, like, online. And that is so cool. Uh, I'm doing my... Um, one of my signature workshops that I've done uh, improv festivals across the world, uh, which is Words That Burn, which is improv and poetry. So it's Fantastic. taking my love. I, I studied English literature at uni, and I love words and... I love words very much. And um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, through the workshop, we look at how different ways we can generate um, poetic language uh, through improv skills. And we even dabble a little bit with uh, an intro to improvised rap and how you could build that up. uh, And also exploring some improv Shakespeare. Wow. That sounds hugely ambitious. (laughs) I've done it. So this was, I, I, it's all, uh, it's, I've delivered it a lot of times. Oh my God, I don't mean to sound like, oh, but I've done that about 10 times. And you know what? It is amazing. I, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this because it's two and a half hours online and it is slightly different. But in my three hour live one, we're improvising a sonnet in iambic pentameter by the end as a group. 
which wow. uh, to this day blows my mind that I can take people on that journey. But I do, I do <laughs> little steps. And yeah, some improv experience is recommended, but I've also had beginners come to that workshop and have a really great time. And you don't need to have a poetic bone in your body because I will milk that poetic bone out gently and <laughs> soft, <laughs> gently and softly. <laughs> Sorry, but that was weird. <laughs> I mean, it was weird. I'm not going to say it wasn't weird, but it's fine. I'm just, just sitting in the moment, just thinking about I, that. I was saying to Stuart, oh, I feel like I've forgotten how to talk to people before I did this podcast. Uh, no, I'm just... Uh, that was... Yeah. Yeah. It's creative. It's good. So, uh, coming towards the end now. So, we have... Uh, the two big questions that I always ask and that sometimes at this point do slightly run away with me, but I think I have recalled them. Um, if someone were to step on stage with you, what could they do to delight you? I don't want to, yeah, aim to delight me. If they okay. come on and they aim to delight me, I am delighted by that. If they come on and they see it as a chance to show off how clever and funny they are, I'm switched off. But people come from the place that they want to and delight and want to inspire me. Uh, what things delight you and what things inspire ah, you? Okay, yeah. I literally want the list. You want the list. I, I so yeah, I love I love someone who's yeah ready to listen, react, and play and be playful with me. I love big physical offers. Uh, I love authenticity. I love Shakespeare. I love rhyme. Uh, I love being really, really silly and clownish. Uh, I I love um, oh, I love I love being villains. So if someone endows me as a villain, I love it. <laughs> I I love being gross and intimate with players I really trust and we've grown trust together. I love crawling all over people and licking their faces and that sort of thing. <laughs> but only if the trust is there and you've had conversations about yes. contact. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that's really important. But yeah, primarily when I when someone steps up with me, I'm looking for connection and that light in their eyes, mm-hmm. uh, which is it's remarkable how often you don't get that, even with really experienced players. Um, and I observe it in shows with like improvisers have been doing this for years. They go up on stage and they don't really look look like they're looking at each other. And I'm mm. like, I'm like, where's the light, man? Where's the play? <laughs> don't, you, don't where's where's your love for each other? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and then the last question. What is, uh, what's your signature move? What's the thing you do <laughs> that saves the day, brings down the house and has everyone going classic emo? Oh, that's funny. Uh, when I, uh, when I was a young improviser, uh, I used to get teased, uh, that my signature move, uh, was being a wacky witch character. Uh, and I still I still use this in a story when I talk to my students about habits. Whenever I got nervous on stage, I'd be like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna be this character!" <laughs> so my my fellow players who've been playing me with me for years, like Caitlin, will say it's Imo's witch, um, which now would be translated into yeah. I'm a, I'm a big physical, because I, I did Commedia dell'arte last summer. I did a whole month. It was amazing. So probably something weird and grotesque and using my whole body is a power, is a emo power move I'd bring out. 
Fantastic. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, thank you very much. This has been so much fun. Thank you, Stuart. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> we're doing a weird... It's like I've been doing a lot of yoga with Adrian, so it's like, uh, namaste. Uh <laughs> Uh, uh, thank you for being a guest on the Improv London podcast. I loved it. Yay! Yay! We're doing the hand signal thing for clapping. <laughs> I made this. That's improv! That's improv. <laughs>